0: Good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight. Let's turn our Bibles to Job, chapter 1. Job, chapter 1. And uh, read a couple of verses here. Beginning of the month, we just started looking at the thought of um, the fear of the Lord and just the importance of that in our lives. And we started to understand that really... When it comes to judging morality, we, we don't really have a, uh, a, a way to do that unless we're, we have a, a right fear of God. And we defined a little bit what the fear of God is, is really just is, is knowing who God is and understanding who, who he is and having a right estimation of God. You know, a lot of people would define it as a reverential awe of God and, and all of those sorts of things. And, and when you combine all of that, it really what it's saying is you have an accurate picture of who God is and you understand who God is. And we understand that in, we, in a society that's increasingly misunderstanding God that we see a decreasing of morality and, and a questioning really of uh, maybe even some of the things that we understand to be right and wrong and then there's the, the understanding, again, that, that that's really the pattern of it. When, when there's a fear of God in a place, then there's order and morality and, and all of those things that come about. But I want to continue to, to look at that in the scriptures and think about fearing God in, in this way. And let's begin reading in there in verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and notice this, and one that feared God. And, eschewed evil. and we know that he was quite uh, quite well off in the sense that God blessed him uh, physically, abundantly, with uh, many things. And we can read all about that in, in verses 1 to 5. But then notice verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? So the Lord's presenting to Satan. You know, Satan's whole goal is to undermine God by displaying to him his people and their inconsistencies. He wants to accuse God. And he, here he is, he's going to do that. But, but actually the Lord's pointing out Job. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And then notice a question that, that Satan poses to the Lord. He says, doth Job fear God for naught? And, and he, he gives this question really because we've understood the, all the good things and all the, the positive things that are happening in Job's life. He's got all of these riches. He's, he's got a, 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 a tremendous family. We see that Job has been one that has had a, a great testimony, and in fact, one that feared God. But Satan's accusation is, is there's a reason why he fears you. You're doing him a great deal of favors. He, asks, he says there in verse 10, Hast not thou made an hedge about him? and about his house and about all that he hath on every side. And we know that, that Job would rise early so that he can sanctify his family, so that he can sanctify those things that are around him that God has given. And really what we get there is that prayer puts a hedge about us. So there was that hedge. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. And his substance is increased in the land. And then notice, notice uh, Satan's challenge to God. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. We know that then his, his whole family is, is killed. We, we see that happening there in, in verses 13 right down to verse 19. And then the news comes to him. And notice the response. And you, you would understand Job had all of these things that, that God had blessed him with and had, had put a hedge about him. And now the challenge put forth to, by Satan is if you take all of that away, let's see if he fears you then. And so, so God allows that. You think about it. God allows that to happen to a faithful man, God allows that to happen to one that fears him. And notice what happens in verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither the lord gave and the lord hath taken away blessed be the name of the lord in all this job sinned not nor charged god foolishly and it's an amazing thing i think about the testimony of job and you know that the great trials he goes through in chapter 2 there's a, another, another dialogue between Satan and God about Job, and he, he says to, to him, well, you wouldn't let me touch him. And God allows that, and God takes away, uh, God allows Satan to take away Job's health. And, and we're, we're going to see later on, uh, again, uh, uh, the response of Job. And what we're going to learn tonight is really just this, how fearing God allows us to have a godly perspective. Because that's really the, the really what we get out of the, God's, uh, the interaction that we just read. And the description of Job was that it stayed true. He did fear God, but he had a certain perspective about even the things that are difficult. Because actually, in our lives, what truly tests the reality of something in our lives isn't the successes of our lives. It's actually the difficulties of our lives. It's actually in those areas where there's a negative, there's, a, there's, there's a, a question in our minds of how can that be. That's when the reality of our faith actually comes to the fore. And, and you know, perspective is, is really all that it is. And, you know, you can't truly see something correctly if you haven't got an accurate point of reference to follow. I think about last year we were at quarantine and we're not really a... A puzzle family. I don't know if your family likes puzzles. You know, you have your 1,000-piece, 3,000-piece puzzles, and maybe your 3D puzzles. Some of you like that. And we're not like that, but uh, during our time, a lot of you, and we're thankful because it really took our time, sent us some puzzles to do. And so we were we were working on those with the kids. And, and really, when I say with the kids, it was about five minutes with the kids, and then they were off, and it was Azariah and I. But it was all these Where's Wally you know, type of uh, puzzles. And what you do, if you understand, right, with the puzzle, you don't just break it out of the box and then scatter the pieces. On the front of the box is something very important. It's what it's meant to look like at the end, right? It's what it's meant to look like once you put all the pieces together. And uh, you, you know as well as I do that that's a point of reference. And, and whether you're a family that only looks at it once or you continually look at it again, what I'm saying is it's a point of reference. You're getting a right perspective, you're getting a clearer picture of where it's meant to end up. And, and you, you, you've got to look at the front of the box to measure your progress at times. And that's what it is with, with God. When, when you're fearing God, you have an accurate picture of Him, then what it does is it actually fixes your perspective of life. It actually helps you understand a little bit more. And, and I, I think I look at society today and there's a lot of, there's a lot of virtue signaling there's a lot of those who like to think of themselves as living more moral than the other. But there are many in the world today who are trying to live morally without having a right view of the Lord. They fall short in how they live. There may be in comparison to other pictures of life and other, other, other ways that others live. Maybe in comparison to that, it's okay. But, but what they actually start to realize and recognize God... And, and you start to understand who he is in comparison to who we are, then what they ought, ought to conclude, and what we ought to conclude, is they fall short in every which way. And what it is, it's their perspective is hampered. What they're doing is all guesswork. They're trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle of life together without the right perspective, without a fear of God. And, and they end up with some sort of picture of life that, Probably when you look at the complete picture from the Word of God, it is far, far from what it needs to be. And so having a godly perspective takes away the guesswork. It can only come from fearing God. When we get our view of God right, then our perspective of life aligns with what's right and what's good. and that's what we see in the life of Job. Job had the hit the greatest of heights he had a, he had a family that was more than commendable it was everyone that looked up to everyone looked up to job everyone sought his advice we know that as we read through the book is it, we understand the kind of man job was he had a great deal of that but but there were still some things that that we see in job that we recognize really can only come from having a right perspective because when it came down to it when, when the when the rubber met the road and his faith in God was being tested. When all of those stabilities in life were taken away, it ended up where the Bible says about Job, in all this Job sinned nor, nor, nor charge God foolishly. He had the right perspective. And we know as he gets deeper later on, there's some things that God digs out, and we're going to see that. But we understand then that really when we observe Job, we see someone who feared God and had a, had a godly perspective about life. And firstly, we see that in verse 20 that we read it. Notice his response, and we're gonna we're gonna see what a what a godly perspective looks like. We see firstly in verse 20, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. And does simply the Bible says, and worshipped. Here's what we ought to know when we when we fear God and our godly perspective is that we understand that God has a right to his worship. I think we have a picture of worship sometimes that is only seen as celebratory. You know, we often see and what is termed as worship as, as people, you know, lifting up their hands, and there's a great deal of, of, uh, of energy, there's a great deal of, of volume, and we often view worship only in that way, and, and, and there's elements of that we understand, but actually when we look at worship... In the Bible, it's it's not just a a right response in the good things that happen. It's a right response when the not-so-good things of life happen. That's that's worship. Worship actually in its its purest form is simply this, bowing down. It's brokenness. That's worship in the Bible. When you look through Scripture and, and when God appears to someone their immediate response was to fall to the ground in worship. And so I think we've got a false premise of worship sometimes in our mind that, that when really, when, when things go, go well, we worship, but when things don't go well, then there's an excuse not to worship. But actually having a right, a right view of God, fearing God, produces a godly perspective of God has a right to our worship. And what we find when we truly fear God is that worship comes regardless of what happens. Regardless of that. And I know this is easy preaching and hard living, but that's just what the Bible is saying. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 4. And to me, it's interesting that Satan's accusation about Job speaks to the results of his life. Remember, we read it earlier. Where, where he said to God, Doth Job fear God for naught? He says, does, does he fear you for nothing? He fears you because you've done everything for him. He fears you because all of those blessings that you've increased him in. And I think, I think sometimes we've been bought into that, and what it is, that's, a, that's the devil's ploy to make you think that you only worship and fear God if everything's going well. That was, that was the devil's assumption. And it, that's brought out for us again in, in this very familiar passage of Scripture in Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And notice again what, what Satan says here in verse 9. Matthew 4, 9. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And, and to the devil, worship is transactional. Like, if God does something for me, then that's when I will worship. If, 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 if God answers my prayer the way I want it to be, then that's when He's worthy of worship. But no, notice who's saying that. It wasn't God. It was Satan. It was the devil himself saying that. That was de- the devil's actual accusation there to God. And notice then what Jesus responds, God Himself. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. And there's no, there's no other imperatives there, there's no caveats there, there's no other surrounding circumstances that, that say you should worship God if, he's saying, no, no, he deserves worship. That's the assumption. And so a right perspective is that we would worship Regardless. And what fearing God does, it brings us to a recognition that God deserves our worship regardless of the outcomes of life. And that's really hard to do, I'll be honest. It's really hard to do. It's hard to worship when you feel like you've been unfairly treated. It's hard to worship when you feel like, you know what, this shouldn't be happening. I mean, I've tried to live this way. I mean, I'd feared you, God, and look what you're giving me. Look what you're allowing me to do, to to go through. And yet what we find in in the life of Job is that Job did be prayed. Job did right. He was one that eschewed evil. And yet what happened was the result was one of heartache and loss. And yet, you know what Job did? He worshipped. Why? Because he feared God and he had the right perspective of life. That he still worshipped. He we, he says later on in chapter 13, verse 15, Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him, but I will maintain mine own ways before Him. And this isn't easy. But, but fearing God is, is clarity of His sovereignty, of the fact that even though the things in life seem to be out of place and out of control, that actually because we have a right view of God, He's still above it all. And you know, so many times we... We go about and we claim certain things for, for, for Jesus' name, but when it comes down to it, do we actually fear God? Because again, this was Satan's accusation, Doth Job, Job fear God for naught. Doesn't he fear you just because you've, you've allowed good results only in his life? Well, here's the test. Let me take it all away and still Job worship. And so, fearing God brings uh, to brings us to a recognition that God deserves our worship, regardless of the outcomes of life. But also, fearing God brings us to a place of humble reliance on Him, because that's indicative there of, of Job's response. He rent his mantle. In the culture, there was a, that was a sign of mourning. You read it through Scripture in that in that culture, whenever uh, there was a loss, there was a, a renting of the mantle. That's a sign of mourning. He says there that he shaved his head. You know what that is? It's an action of devastation. There's a devastation there. And we understand what Job went through. He lost all of his family. And of course he's going to respond that way. But then he fell to the ground. You know what that is? It's a show of humility and surrender. That's worship. And again, it's, it's very different to how worship is viewed today. It's almost like a party atmosphere. That's when we say we've had a good worship service. But where's the mourning? Where's the brokenness when we come together? Where's the realization that actually we mourn for the, the limitations in ourselves and we, we're devastated at the, the truth of our own condition that's still so stubborn and so, so opposite to what God expects, where's the, where's the contrition, where's those that will just bow, prostrate because they've been in the presence of God? We don't, we don't view that as worship. We view that as something else. And yet, when we see it, the, the godly perspective, it just gives worship where worship needs to go. And, and fearing God brings about a true heart of worship, which is, which is really to be made low because God is above it all. It's a recognition of who God is. And so we see that, firstly, it's God's right to worship that's, that's, that's produced from a right and a godly perspective. But also he says in verse 21, he says, "'Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither.'" The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's also God's right to ownership. That actually, above it all, God, it's his right. It's his ownership. We're just stewards. And Job's exclamation here of blessing to the Lord, it was really con- contingent on this. It's a recognition that God owned it all anyway. And, and someone who fears God recognizes that we ha- what we have is simply a stewardship of what tr- is truly God's. Many times we we celebrate ourselves in the successes of life. We look at that and we go, Look what we did. Look how when I followed, then this has been produced in my life. And look how God has blessed me because of what I have done. But actually, it's just given. And Job recognized that. All was given. He says, "I, I came without anything into this world. And God gave. And if He can give, He can take away. You know, He's saying, It's not mine. It's not mine in the first place. It's God. He's the one that gave me that family. He's the one that gave me those riches. He's the one that, that allowed my life to have a hedge about it. He's the one that did all of that. And if he is willing to give it, then he has the right to take it away. And someone who fears God recognizes that what we have is simply a stewardship of what is truly God's. And we know this in Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world... And they that dwell therein. You know, in that statement, God misses nothing. Everything is His, He says. And when we complain, when we turn to God to tell Him how wrong He got it, really we're demonstrating sometimes in our own lives a lack of fear of God. Or telling God that somehow there's a corner of our lives that He has no rights to, even though we ought to really understand that it's all been given. And fearing God, it, it gives you firstly an understanding here of, of gain. Because he says, naked came I, naked shall I return, and then he says, the Lord gave. So every gain in our lives is from the Lord. We came with nothing. Right? None of us here entered the world with any kind of balance in our bank account. That, that really wasn't, it was something that we didn't earn. You may have been born into a well-to-do family, but that wasn't yours. You came into nothing. You know, we came with nothing. Even life itself is given. All that we have is from the Lord. And, and you know, we like this part, don't we, when there's gain. We agree with God when there's gain in our lives. But then God gives us negatives as well, and it's the same hand. That we believe that that verse in James 1:17 every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of light see we we only like the gains of life and yet from the same hand not only gain but loss and, and fearing god it gives you an aspect of loss that no one else has and the lord hath taken away and we already see it the one who has the right to give also has the right to take away and this can only be correctly viewed if we have a right view of God as the ultimate owner of all things. We are stewards. We're not owners. Right? We, we, can, we can take ownership in the sense of we understand God gave it to us, but ultimately it's His. Ultimately, if He decides through no apparent fault of our own to take that away, then that's His prerogative and we've got to trust Him anyway. And that, that's difficult too. That's difficult when your heart's broken and you're suffering a great loss. It's difficult. But, you know, if you truly fear God, then the, the substance of that is this. You understand it's God's ownership anyway. And it's His right. And ultimately, lastly, we have a view that it's God's right to decide. Because later on in chapter 2, there's a second request here from, from Satan um, the Lord says again in verse 3, Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, perfect and upright and a man, upright man, one that feareth God and shoot evil. And still, he says, he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. He's saying, I'm going to touch his health. And that's what happens. So went verse seven. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto unto his crown. And notice how desperate Job is. He took a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. You know, I, I I can't really understand that. I the the closest I can imagine that is like chicken pox, but but if chicken pox was really painful. You know, it's itchy. I remember when I, I got chicken pox, my mum, she, she, taped, she taped oven mitts on my hand. Because I just couldn't stop scratching, you know. Imagine that, 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 imagine that it's so bad that scraping yourself with a sharp object was a better pain than the pain you were feeling. You know, a lot of people are like that. They, there's great pain in their lives, and so they self-inflict. And, and there's a sadness to that. And we understand that there's a, there's a real problem there, right? But, but what happens here is, is, is Job's wife comes to him. Verse 9, and Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? He says, Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? And what, what we see in Job is again that, that godly perspective. And there's really contrasting responses here. Firstly, look at Job's wife, right? She said, curse God and die. And, and you know, when we don't, want what, when we don't get what we, we want or when we don't want what we have, our eventual thought is to just blame God or to simply end it all. And we know later on, Job, Job he struggles with that. He, he went down this, this thought line later. He says in, in chapter 3, he, he says that, you know, let the day perish when I was born, and the night in which it was said there is a man-child conceived. He, he goes down that, that road as, as the, the trial of his life deepens. But right here, we understand that it was, it was his wife. She said, curse God and die. And, and, you know, after his friends here, his friends enter in, in the meantime, try to give him perspective, he suddenly goes into this, this thought line to say, I'm just going to, it's not good that I was even born. And what it is, um, he, Job's wife and his friends, they didn't, have, they didn't have a fear of God. So they started speaking to him, and giving giving him counsel that was actually the wrong perspective and you be careful when you, you when you sit with people who actually don't have an evidence of, of a of god in their lives because they're going to lead you down the wrong fault line they're going to make you think that that you know that that there's there's just there's no there's no reason for it that god has done you wrong and we go down and we want to terminate things we want to terminate ourselves, we want to terminate the, the problem perhaps, and, and we shouldn't allow those who don't fear God to give us counsel about gain or loss because they don't have a good perspective. And wrong influences can bring about wrong thoughts that can eventually result in the wrong conclusion. And, and what happened here is in the life of Job, even his own wife sadly didn't have that same fear of God that, that Job had. And she just, she just says, curse God and die. That's cheery. But we see here again that, that Job's own integrity comes to the fore. He says to her in verse 10, don't be foolish. He says, God can give both good and bad, and, and here they use the word evil. It's not moral evil, but negative or troubling circumstances. And he's saying here that actually God has a right to decide. You know what we want to tell God? We want to tell God how to think. We want to tell God that he's wrong in his decision making when actually we have mentally we understand God's perfect. Until he goes against what we wish and what we want, then God's wrong. And we go around and we go round and round in our minds, but Job himself he understood. You know, as, as a parent, we withhold things from our children all the time, and and you know how we respond, it depends on our view of mom and dad, right? And Job's perspective was guided by his fear of God. When you see God as sovereign, when you see God as above all, and we trust in his working in our lives, when, when you understand that you may not understand, but God knows, but then you'll allow even the losses of your life to be under his control and we understand that he has a heart of care for us regardless. And you know again Romans 8:28 we know that all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose. We like to quote that. But again it's harder to live. It's harder when we go through loss. It's harder when when the, the difficulties come to then understand and then and but that's when, when really our fear of God comes to the full. And here was Job still willing to bless God in a time of monumental loss. He blesses God. And so fearing God, it'll allow us to have a godly perspective. Fearing God is the corrective lens that we need to see life clearly. The happenings of life aren't just random events. They can sometimes... If we're honest, not make sense to us at all. But our comfort is that we have a God who's authoritative over our circumstances. He has the authority. This means we can worship even when results don't go our way. This means that we see God as the owner of it all and anything we receive is a gain. And any loss we suffer is his right to do so. This means that we respect his right to decide for our lives what's best no matter how painful it can be in all actuality. And in the end, it's all for for our good and actually his glory. Because later on, we see in Job 23, verses 9 and 10, on the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him, he hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. He didn't understand. Notice Job's conclusion, though. But he knoweth the way that I take. Why, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And he came through more valuable than he did before. And at the end, Job 42, verse 12, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. And remember, with God, there's always more. With God, there's always a latter end. With God, it's never for no reason. With God, really, all things work together for good. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Um, Lord, I just know, dear God, that there's been many times where you've reminded me in, in the difficulties that, Lord, even in that. Uh, Lord, you're in that and you're able, uh, Lord, to, to make us, Lord, better, to, to see us through. And Father, in your foresight and, and in your foreknowledge, you see all of that. And you're a God, Lord, who is worthy of our worship. You're the God who is the rightful owner of our lives. And because of that, Lord, you have the right to decide. So help us, dear Lord, in our times that are difficult and and even sometimes when we're in utter confusion. Help us, Lord, to look to you. And Lord, strengthen our fear of you, strengthen our our view of you. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we get into the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Brother Joel.